I want to challenge you this morning. Now, I'm really mindful of the challenge when I point my fingers. I've got three fingers in one hand pointing back at me. So when I do challenge and point, uh, I'm challenging me as much as I'm challenging you, probably more. So I just want to challenge you. I want want us to think about being a people of purpose and destiny. Just don't be an ordinary person. Think about if God's got his hand upon me, if God loves me so much, surely he would have given me a purpose and a destiny. And we need to search that out, don't we? We need to to find what God's got for us. And so much is said uh, about uh, the generations gone by. Uh, And I don't know about you, but I always get jealous of the generations that have gone by. Because I remember when I was a young Christian, they used to say, yeah, but in our day, we used to have all-night prayer meetings and God moved in such a way. And so then you would go and say, well, can we have an all-night prayer meeting? Oh, do you think you guys are up to it? Why not have half a night of prayer? Uh, And so it was always what happened in yesteryear. Now, I believe that God can work in this age, in this generation. And I want to be a part of it. And so I want to be a part of what God's doing. And I want to challenge you. Let's be a people of destiny and purpose. So let's have a look. Uh, the yesteryear generations, we often talk about the Moses generation. I mean, Moses was a great leader. He led, they estimate, about two and a half million people through the wilderness for 40 years across the Red Sea. I mean, I don't know about you, but when I've got my kids and grandkids with, with us, to get them all moving in unison is just crazy. How did he manage with two and a half million yeah. Anyway, but in the Moses generation, those people, it was all about independence. And those people were looking after themselves. It was all about me in the Moses generation, me and myself and, and things like that. They grumbled and they complained and they were always upset about what was happening and what was going on. Oh, I'm fed up with manna again for breakfast manna again for lunch and quails for supper I'm just fed up with it Uh, and there was always this complaining going on they were thinking about themselves and although Moses was a great leader the individuals under him were really looking at themselves I didn't want to be a part of a Moses generation And so then along came Joshua, and we often hear about the Joshua generation. The Joshua generation were a bit different. In the Joshua generation, they were willing to serve. They were united in a purpose to possess the promised land. And so all the tribes would get together, and they would go across the River Jordan, and they were there 
united in plan and purpose. I, I remember uh, um, we used to sing in Sunday school years and years ago about around the walls of Jericho. Can you remember that song? Round the walls of Jericho. I better not sing anymore because you'll run. Uh, um, and it was, what was it? Seven times without a stop. Seven times without a stop. And when the people gave her, and when the people gave her, no, that's not good. That wouldn't knock any walls down. And when the people gave her, that's a bit better. There was a little bit more unison in that. There was a little bit of camaraderie in that. And that was what the, genera- uh, the generation of the Joshua uh, people were. They were together because they wanted to defeat the enemy in the promised land so that they could possess what God had for them, the Joshua generation. And then we look at uh, the David generation. The David generation was a different generation. The David generation was, has become so famous that even today in Israel, they refer back to the King David and, and the heritage that he's left for Israel. And so the David generation, they accepted their sonship. The David generation were people of authority and dominion. They were people with a purpose and a vision under a king called David. Jesus invites us to that domain. And so when we look at future generations, it's not just a self thing. When we look at generations that are coming, it's about a people attitude for that particular generation. Both Moses, Joshua, and David served the purposes of God as individuals in their generation. So what about you and I? Are we going to serve the purposes of God in our generation? David's generation of people served with an attitude that God needed. That David was a king to reign over Israel under God and his purposes. He was placed there by God to do the work that God required him to do. And so this David generation, this heart of David, I believe that we can kind of encapsulate some of it for ourselves. This heart of David... And the purpose that he had to serve God in his generation was replicated in his followers. And so David was a man of promise. Can we have that up? David was a man of promise. David was a man of position. And David was a man of of purpose. And so when we look at these things, let's have a look at the promise, shall we? David was a man of promise because Samuel was commissioned by God to anoint David as a young teenage boy to become king over Israel. He was God's choice for a king over Israel. So he had a promise and he worked with that promise and he lived in that promise. He had a promise of the anointing of God over him for this plan and for this purpose. 
He had a position in God. He was the king that God ordained to be over Israel. So he had a position in God. Have you got a position in God? Have you got a promise in God? Has God given you a promise to be the man or the woman that he needs you to be? Has he given you a a purpose that that you're the man for this job, for this hour, in this place, in this office, in this factory, in this school, or wherever he might be, in the street that you live? Has he got a plan and a purpose for you? Has he got a position for you? So the purpose was to rule and to lead God's people the nation of Israel, into a relationship with God. And that's why David was there. Let's turn, shall we, to Second Samuel, chapter 9. 2 Samuel, chapter 9, reading from verse 1. One day, David asked, Is anyone in Saul's family still alive? Anyone to whom I can show the kindness for Jonathan's sake. He summoned a man called Ziba, who had been one of Saul's servants. Are you Ziba? the king asked. Yes, sir, I am, Ziba replied. And the king then asked him, is anyone still alive from Saul's family? If so, I want to show God's kindness to them. Ziba replied, yes, one of Jonathan's sons is still alive. He's crippled in both his feet. Where is he? The king asked. In Lodabar, Ziba told him, at the home of Micah, the son of Emil. So David sent for him and bought him from Micah's house. His name was Mephibosheth. He was Jonathan's son and Saul's grandson. When he came to David, he bowed low to the ground in deep respect David said, greetings, Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth replied, I am your servant. Don't be afraid, David said. I intend to show kindness to you because of my promise to your father, Jonathan. I will give you all the property that once belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you will eat here with me at the king's table. Mephibosheth bowed respectfully and exclaimed, who is your servant? that you should show such kindness to a dead dog like me. The king summoned Saul's servant Ziba and said, I've given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. You and your sons and servants are to farm the land for him to produce food for for your master's household. But Mephibosheth, your master's grandson, will eat here at my table. Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. And Ziba replied, Yes, my lord, the king, I am your servant, and I will do all that you have commanded. And from this time on, Mephibosheth ate regularly at David's table like one of the king's own sons. What a story. What a story. I want to just bring to you Some of the things about David and David's generation. David was a man of relationship. David was a man of reward. And David was a man of restoration. Okay, so he was a man of relationship between God and man. 
He was a man of reward between God and man. He was a man of restoration between God and man. And so David had this. He had a relationship with God. And I want to challenge you. Have you got a living, vital relationship with God? You can say, yes, I know all about Jesus, but you might know him here. But do you know him here? There's a difference. Lots of people know about history. I know about Jan van Riebeck, but I don't know him. So I might know about Jesus, but I don't know him. So is your relationship here or is it here? And so David was, had a relationship with God. He was a, ma, a man after God's own heart. Have a look at Acts chapter 13 and verses 22. <coughs> it says, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man, a man after mine own heart, which shall fulfill all my will. That's what God said. It didn't happen overnight. Did he make mess-ups? Of course he made mess-ups. Some of them were really big. But he had this relationship with God that changed his life entirely. And now here's the thing I want to challenge you with. When David made a mess and some of the messes that David made, they were big messes. But when he made a mess before God his friend, he got down on his face and he put it right. I go to the street kids every Friday and I speak to these young uh, men that uh, I've got not too much. And, and, I, and I say to them, when you fall down and you make a mess, don't stay there. Get up, dust yourself off, Make right with God, make right with man, and carry on living. Because you cannot stay down there and revel in the dust. Come on. And I'm saying to you and to me, when we make a mistake, when we make a mess, in serving God, in serving man, then make sure that we put it right before it gets too festery. You know, if you get a cut and you don't look after it, it gets worse and worse and festery and you know uh, the thing and and it's the same when we do things in our in our heart against God we need to be able to sort these things out as soon as we can and so we need to have a relationship with God that will allow us to do that David made these sort of things happen in his own life because he had a relationship with God he had a relationship with man now, I want to challenge you as, a, as an individual. If you haven't got this relationship right, you can't get this relationship right. Because your relationship with God, this way, makes this work much easier. Because sometimes you think oh, that some people I just don't want to be around. Am I the only person like that? But there's some people you can get on with and some people you can't get on with. But when you've got a relationship with Jesus, it makes it so easy to get on with those people this way, doesn't it? And so you walk with Jesus and the love of Jesus kind of just flows out of your heart towards those people 
that you didn't normally choose to be with. And God just does that. I'll I, I just give a little testimony. I remember going to a house of uh, a coloured family uh, that we were really, really pally with. Uh, the, the, the mother of the family and the kids that were in their teens and 20s used to come to the church that we were at, but the father wouldn't show his face because he was always like this. And he was too ashamed to come to church because he did serve Jesus at one time and then this grabbed hold of him and it was... And we went round to their house one evening and I'm talking to the family and he, he came out of the bedroom and a little bit worse for wear and I just went up to him put my arms around him and just held him. And you know, about a week or so later, his wife said, nobody else has ever done that to him, John. That really made us think. All the people that used to visit used to think, oh. but you just did something Do you know that guy started coming back to church? That guy got delivered of drinking. That guy had such a relationship with God. And the last 18 months of his life, he was in his 50s. The last 18 months of his life, his wife said, was like just being married again from the beginning. It was wonderful. But guess what? Sin had taken its toll and he had sclerosis of the liver and he just died because of that. Not because of his relationship. And I want to say, when we have a relationship with God like that, we can make these relationships work. And so I want to challenge you to be like David and have that. David was a David generation, had an attitude just like Jesus. In Philippines chapter 2 and verses 5, it says this, let this mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. In other words, let this attitude that Jesus lived by be your attitude. Did Jesus love the sinner? Of course, because he loved a person like me. Did Jesus restore people? Of course he did, because he restored me. I hate to think where I would have been if it wasn't for Jesus in my life. Come on, let's be honest. I mean, who would have known where you would have been if Jesus didn't come into your life? Who would have known what would, uh, what would happen to your life? Who would know if you would still be alive? Because of the ravages of sin and, and the things that go on around us in this world. So Jesus has this sort of attitude that David picked up on. He doesn't think about self. He builds and blesses for future generations. And that's where we need to be. We need to build foundations that will bless future generations. And I want to challenge you, as much as I challenge me, to be a person of relationship. But what about a person of reward? There were rewards with God. God passed on rewards. He talked into David's life strategies to win battles. 
he talked uh, into David's life as he was the king of Israel. He spoke into him blessings in reigning, provision and wealth to the nation of Israel, everything in day-to-day living. And it was because of this, the blessings were not just always blessings. Sometimes there was correction. And sometimes we need not just the blessings, we need the correction from God as well. Hey, you're just wandering off the path here. Hey, you need to be uh, uh, drawn back here. Hey, you need to to, uh, spread out uh, your uh, steps of faith here. And so God often does that. He often blesses, but he often corrects as well. And so there was this uh, reward from God. God gave him strategy that made Israel a nation that was a great nation. There were rewards not only from God, but there were rewards for man as well. And the friendships that he had, and the friendships because he was a man of destiny, people loved to serve him, King David, and to buy into his vision in God and follow him and risk all for him because of his relationship with God and his anointing. So if we can be people of anointing and people of destiny and people of passion, people will buy into that sort of vision. Wouldn't it be amazing if we had an anointing for every single person here, a vision for every single person here, that all of a sudden, this place wouldn't be big enough to hold people that would want to be our friends because we've got, we're people of destiny and people of purpose and people of vision. Wow. Think of David's mighty men in Second Samuel chapter 23. These mighty men, men of stature, leaders of tribes, men uh, of value and expertise. I read, uh, uh, when I read that chapter, I read of one man with one spear. I think he took down 900 people in one battle. There was another man that was fighting so much with a sword in his hand, they couldn't release the sword out of his hand after the battle had finished. Because these men of stature and expertise wanted to serve the king that had the anointing of God, the purpose of God, and the vision of God running through his dream. What about if people could grab hold of people like us? Because we're people that have the anointing of God and the plan and the purpose and the vision of God upon our hearts. So I want to challenge you with that. What about not just rewards, what about the restoration for God? God restores what rightfully belongs to you in his time. David was a king of Israel. Was he a disappointment? Sometimes he was. Did he have defeats? Yes, sometimes he had defeats. Did he have victories? Yes, plenty of victories. Remember the attitude that David had, that when he made a mistake, when he tripped up, when he fell flat on his face, he got up and he confessed to God and he made it right with God. And God restored him into the place that God needed him to be as the leader of that nation. 
God wants to do that. We are sons and daughters of the living God. That means that we are joint heirs with Jesus in the blessing of God. Don't discount yourself because you've made a mess. Because Jesus brings about a restoration into your life and into my life. There was a restoration of men. More than you deserve. That's what David managed to do. Men of valor and reputation follow people of anointing. Follow people with a heart after the purposes of God. So I want to challenge you to be a person of anointing that follows after the purposes of God so that other people around you can join with you because you become infectious and contagious because of the anointing of God upon your life and upon your heart. David was such a man like that. David led them to fulfill the purposes of God in the nation of Israel, their nation. And because he did that, how could he impact and influence people if he wasn't a God, uh, if he wasn't a man that had a relationship with God, that had a reward from God, and that had restoration from God? That changed Israel's standing in God. They became a nation of blessing. They were a nation to be awed and feared, and they were a nation under God. I long for that to happen in this nation. Come on. It's not about the ANC or the DA or the ACDP. It's about the people that call upon God and ask Jesus for an anointing to allow that to flow through this land that will change the hearts of men and women, young people, boys and girls, and the presence of the living God to rule in this country. Wouldn't it be amazing? How can we do it? By having a right relationship with God, by having a reward from God, by having restoration from God and sharing that with other men. Acts of anointing and purposeful passion are the way for us to go. God's touch upon people's lives that make us a people of passion. That not just allow us just to be ordinary folks. So let's get back to the story of Mephibosheth, shall we? Let's go back uh, to Second Samuel. His relationship with David as the king. Have a look at verses 6 and 7 there. And he said, his name was Mephibosheth. He was Jonathan's son and Saul's grandson. And when he came to David, he bowed low to the ground with deep respect. And David said, greetings, Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth replied, I am your servant. Don't be afraid. David said, I intend to show kindness to you because of my promise to your father, Jonathan. I will give you all the property that once belonged to your grandfather Saul and you will eat here with me at the king's table. 
Now, I don't know if you know the story about Mephibosheth, but when he was a young baby, his nanny dropped him. And he was lame from birth. From that young age, he was a crippled man. And in that crippling, because of what happened, now he's brought in front of the king and he turns to the king and he said, why are you doing this? What's different? Why have my circumstances changed? I'm just a dead dog in your sight. You're the king and I'm a a disabled cripple. I'm no good to anyone. And yet because of that, because of the promise and the relationship that David had with God and David had with his father, Jonathan, that relationship with, with, that was right this way and right that way, because of that relationship, now he wanted to bring this son of his best friend back into relationship with the king of the nation back into reward to allow him to have restoration of all that sort of stuff that belonged to him, the farm that belonged to not only his father but his grandfather. If you have a look at verse 7, it says, and you will eat at my table continually, daily provision of the best. Now I want to challenge you. If you sit at the king's table and you've got a disability, when you sit at the king's table, you sit there like this, and as they bring the table and place it in front of you, they move you into the place and you sit there on that chair, nobody can see your disability because it's covered by the table. There's a table here. When we come to this table, all our disabilities are covered because of Jesus. So it doesn't matter if you made a mess. It doesn't matter what your disabilities might be. When you sit at the table of the king, you're just an ordinary person that's blessed by the presence of the king. And you feed of the best of the best. So I want to challenge you. Doesn't matter what your disability might be. Let's come to the king. Let's sit in the presence of the king. No one sees our deformity when we're treated like a son of the king. King Jesus makes a difference in our lives, doesn't he? Restored rewarded and in right relationship with God. So a David generation people allow for those crippled by sin and circumstance to come into right relationship with God, right relationship with you and I, are rewarded because of their standing in God, are rewarded because of their standing with us, are restored because of what Jesus has done. And I want to challenge you that it doesn't matter 
where you've been and how disfigured you might be or, or the disability that you've got because of sin or circumstance in your life. But when you walk with Jesus and you come into the family of God, God makes everything on a level plane. What a son can we be? Right relationships with God, rewarded in our relationship with God because of we're men of anointing and gifting and women of, of anointing and gifting, restored that restoration. So our deficiencies no longer are the focus because they're hidden of, in God. So it's not about that guy used to be. Do you know that guy is still a drug addict? Do you know that person? It's no longer about those things anymore because we've been restored into a right relationship. So a David generation people with a Jesus generation experience and that's where we need to be. I don't want to be a part of the Moses generation or the Joshua generation, even the David generation. I want to be a part of the Jesus generation. I want to be a part of the, that we impact one another, our community and our nation, because we have a right relationship with God that makes a right relationship work out this way. We have a greater king than David and Jesus is his name. That brings relationship reward and restoration to cover our, cover our crippledness and it makes me and allows me as a child of the king to sit at his table so the difficulties in my life that might happen because of sin, circumstance or whatever are not there to make me bitter, they're there to make me better. So if you allow your circumstances to allow you to be bitter instead of better, you need to start getting that relationship right so this relationship becomes right. In this world that we're living in, there's so much that's going on that's clamoring for our thoughts. Who sat up all night watching the gold medals being won and rewarded? How many people are interested in the war that's going on in Syria and all the gassing of all those people in Aleppo? How many people? Uh, and then, then there's things that are going on in our country. There's happenings. That are, and all this is clamoring for our attention and grabbing our minds and that. And in between, God is saying, Can you hear me? Can you hear me? I want to talk into your life. I want to make you the man or the woman that I need you to be in this nation. I want you to be a people of destiny and passion. I want you to be a people of purpose. Can you hear me? Or do we allow all the circumstances of the things that are around us crowd out that cry from the heart of God? Do you really believe that in the 21st century when we've got all of these latest 
fangled, new fangled ideas that we can touch people around the world and we can uh, operate satellites that have gone uh, for seven years to Jupiter or whatever it might be. Do you think that God's important? By now you should be saying yes! Do you think that ordinary people like you and I can have a touch of God upon our hearts that change people's lives and influence not only our communities but our nations. Do you think that in the 21st century we can be people of destiny and purpose? Let's trust God together. There's a table here and it says, if you look in the scripture, that this body that was broken for you brings about healing till he comes. It says that this cup is my blood that was shed for you. Do this until he comes. And when we're sat at that table, all our deficiencies, all our crippleness, all our idiosyncrasies are covered because we're sat at the table of the king. Now, I don't know about you, but I want more passion in my life for Jesus. I don't know about you, I want more anointing upon my life so that I can influence not just my community not just my friends and family but I need to be able to influence people that will influence a nation I don't know about you but I want to be able to see people in the light that Jesus sees them Precious souls that were worth dying for. I don't know about you, but I want to be a person that God says he served the purposes of God in his generation. Who's going to join me? Who's going to stand to their feet and say, Lord, choose me. I want to be one of those men. I want to be one of those people. I want to be one of those women. I want to be one of those young people. I want to be a person that served the purposes of God in their generation. You can stand with me if you want to, but I'm going to pray right now. So, Father, we just come to you. We come because you loved us. We don't want to be a part of the Moses or the Joshua or even the David generation. We want to be a part of the Jesus generation. We want to be men and women touched by God with such an anointing upon our lives that people will know these people have been with Jesus and they serve the purposes of God in their generation. Help us, Lord, to envelop that in every 
little facet of our lives that whichever way people would look at us they would see the reflection of Jesus this we ask in Jesus name Amen